Number three. <laughs> your laugh is throwing me off. <laughs> That's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Co-Conspirators podcast. As usual today, I'm Luke, and I'm joined by my co-host, John. Hi, everyone. And my other co-host, Callum. Hello there. Now, it's all getting a bit dramatic right now in the world. West versus East. No, this isn't pre-full Berlin. It's the world today. America blames China. China says they warned America. And despite overwhelming evidence stacked against the Chinese, they blame the US. Is this real life or the script of one of the world's greatest dramas? This week, we will be following up on our pilot by revisiting coronavirus conspiracies. We massively enjoyed recording episode one. And with more information becoming readily available on the virus, conspiracies have continued to flourish. And we wanted to delve deeper with three new conspiracies that have developed further or come to light since. So without further ado, John, can you hit us up? All right, yeah, thanks for that, Luke. So the theory I'm going to be kind of talking about is a very popular one. I'm sure if you're into conspiracies and that's why you listen to this podcast, you'll know that Bill Gates has become a bit of a figurehead and a target for some conspiracists regarding this virus and his vaccine. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the theories surrounding Bill Gates. I'll give some credit to Richard D. Hall, who uh, has done a lot of this research, and he kind of put me onto the Bill Gates thing in a bit more detail. So for the couple of you in the world who don't know, Bill Gates is the founder of Microsoft and is currently the world's second richest man with a net worth of around $107 billion, second only to Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, who is worth about $113 billion. Richer than some countries. Exactly, yeah. It's crazy how one person can get that rich. Just literally go down a restaurant, order whatever the fuck you like, and not have to worry about it. Buy the old restaurant. There's no way to even spend that amount of money. You could literally buy whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, and you'd get nowhere near even denting your $107 billion. In the case of Jeff Bezos as well, it's going up and up and up, even after his divorce. Amazon's not going anywhere, <laughs> especially with this lockdown. Maybe that's another conspiracy for another time. <laughs> Part of three. All the big uh, conglomerates are starting the coronavirus. We're competing to get their viruses out there. <laughs> You've got Amazonia virus coming <laughs> next year. <laughs> so... Bill Gates was recently interviewed by the BBC and has become a figurehead for coronavirus, doing numerous interviews every day about how best to combat the virus and how to move forward. Now, this strikes me as incredibly odd, given that Bill Gates has no medical training, no medical qualifications, he's an unelected figure, and he isn't even British. So why is his word being taken as gospel by the British and other news outlets? The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the largest private foundation and charity in the world, with almost $47 billion of assets, and has just three trustees, Bill Gates, his wife Melinda Gates, and Warren Buffett, who is another figure of controversy with conspiracists. I think I saw something, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are now the second highest contributors to the WHO after Yeah, UK, exactly. Which is oh, crazy. I'll come on to that. It is mental. It's crazy, yeah, considering that the rest of them are countries, and then you just have two people. Yeah, the amount of power and the amount of money that comes with it. The other way around, the amount of money and the amount of power that comes with it is frightening at times. So Bill Gates has expressed his opinion on numerous occasions that the only way to beat the virus is to administer a vaccine to all 7 billion people on the planet in order to make the population immune to coronavirus. It may be worth noting that Bill Gates is also the single biggest funder of vaccines for diseases in the world. In his own words, a vaccine usually takes five to six years to be created, sufficiently tested and then finally scaled up for mass administration. However, his vaccine for coronavirus is set to take 18 months, 
but possibly under 12 months if they're given permission to skip certain tests. Do you not think it's because they're desperately trying to accelerate it because of how much it's a crisis? I do think that's almost certainly the case. But I think if vaccines take five to six years for a reason, you know, if the priority is saving lives, you'd get every vaccine out as soon as possible. So even though this is bigger than others, to cut kind of five years off the time yeah. seems worrying, seems dangerous. Is there any sort of evidence of what sort of tests they want to skip or which tests they deem to be less important? No, well, not from the interviews I've seen, but I suppose they wouldn't press them on something like that because people aren't interested, I suppose. It's probably out there. But you'd think this is a dangerous precedent, especially given there must be a reason why the vaccines usually take so much longer to create. However, much of the testing for vaccines is decided by the World Health Organization, or the WHO, and 10% of their funding comes directly from Bill Gates. Therefore, if anyone is going to have the power to bypass these standard testings, it's him. Many people have questioned his motive behind pushing himself to the forefront of the vaccine. One theory is he wants to depopulate the planet and something in the vaccine will either cause harm directly to those who receive it or will reduce fertility. The so-called evidence... Go on. So my theory is that Bill Gates has £107 billion, can't do it anything with it and he's a nice guy so he's donating it to help save lives <laughs> that's what we'd like to believe i think it says a lot about humans nature and trust when people would rather feel like there's some ulterior motive than he's just got so much money he can contribute to a vaccine and wants to do a charitable act so that's the altruistic way of looking at things given that we've got someone on this podcast now who gave up a, i'd say solid one percent of their net wealth to a homeless man on <laughs> Uh, I think, I think humans can be altruistic. <laughs> <laughs> so the so-called evidence that this theory of Bill Gates is looking to depopulate the planet revolves around Bill Gates doing the vast majority of his medical charity work in the nine countries with the fastest growing populations. The Bill Gates presence in Africa can be said to have been contributing to the falling population growth in Africa. However, this isn't necessarily a bad thing because as populations get more developed, they no longer need to have a large number of children to cope. So with his investment, you would think the population would naturally fall. I think a lot of government policy during developing periods is to get the population growth rate down to a sustainable level. Because, I mean, so many countries before developing have reproduction rates of seven. And I mean, yeah. to realistically stay developed, it has to fluctuate around the 2.1 mark. It just seems like, say, these countries where you're doing the work, there's a bit of a catch-22 with this mortality rate and the fertility rate. Might not be enough food to go around, but they need to have enough children to ensure their survival so but by creating more children there's even less food to go around yeah yeah i think the people who think he wants depopulation that mean on a global scale you know a lot of places are supposedly at, at capacity in terms of resources i think the planet as a whole can't handle another billion people which may come in the next 10 years or so mm. But it's all based on estimates that you don't really know. There's an extra billion people, then there's a larger market for this podcast. So. <laughs> exactly. Get the listeners up to a billion and one. <laughs> <laughs> so another piece of evidence for depopulation is that Bill Gates' father, Bill Gates Sr., couldn't guess that one, <laughs> was interested in depopulation and was a board member of Planned Parenthood, an organisation that encourages family planning and the use of contraception. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation donated $71 million to Planned Parenthood in 2014. But again, this may just be for moral reasons and not wanting to bring children into unprepared families. So it doesn't necessarily prove Gates wants to depopulate the planet as a main goal. Yeah, that's a bit of a tenuous link, you think. 
Yeah, I think that the only conspiracy there would be if his dad's on the board, is he prioritising giving them a bit of money? But that could just be to help him out. When he's got that much money to go around, what's a donation here or regardless of <laughs> yeah, board members? 71 million. So, but the main theory I want to discuss behind Bill Gates' motives for potentially fabricating the pandemic and pushing a vaccine needs some background to Bill Gates' Microsoft career to explain fully. So in 1980... IBM wanted an operating system to be used in their computers, and so Microsoft was tasked with creating one. But what they did was take an existing operating system called 86DOS that was created by Seattle Computer Products, and they adapted it slightly to be used on IBM systems. So Microsoft bought the license for this OS and refused to give IBM exclusive use or rights to that operating system. They hoped this system would become the industry standard for computers and that they could sell it to other companies to use on their computers and systems. And this is exactly what happened. They also made the OS easy for people to copy at home, so that everyone got used to using this system, giving other companies no choice but to buy it from Microsoft for their company too. This resulted in Bill Gates becoming a billionaire, as he earned $40 every time an IBM-compatible PC was sold with this operating system. However, rather than ensure this OS was perfect and would work for a long time, Gates did the opposite. The original Microsoft DOS was full of bugs and needed an upgrade almost instantly. Microsoft, rather than provide a patch or update, bought out an entirely new operating system and sold it at a higher price. And this was a trend that continued to happen every few years. A new Microsoft operating system was brought out with very few changes, but sold under the guise of an upgrade that you and your company needed in order to remain competitive. Well, it sounds like every technology company. A lot of followed suit now. It sounds like FIFA over these past few years. <laughs> yeah. Really I'm like FIFA about two months. <laughs> <laughs> Ready for a new one. Yeah, full of, full of bugs, broken mechanics. Oh, here's a new one. Slap some new kits. <laughs> do you buy it? I do. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the same with this. People still buy it. So they sold Windows 1, Windows 2, Windows 3, Windows 3.1, Windows 95, 98, 2000, XP, Vista, 7, 8, and now Windows 10, which earns but- Microsoft and Bill Gates around $200 per laptop sold and has currently sold around 200 million copies. Can I just ask, what happened to Windows 3.2 through 94? Was a bit of a big so I jump. think 3.1 came out in like 1993 or 94. Yeah. So Windows 95 was in 1995. But yeah, I don't know why they changed the yeah. name. Windows 98 was 1998. Windows 2000 was the year 2000. Then they went to XP, whatever reason. Experience points. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. So listening to all this, the modus operandi for Bill Gates and Microsoft is clear. Own the license for something that is easy to copy and mass produce and can be sold billions of times. The product can then be changed slightly once initial sales are high enough and it can be sold to the same consumers all over again billions more times. Can you see how a vaccine would perfectly fit this modus operandi? He wants to create a vaccine and own the license to it. Sell it to everyone on earth and then if he sees fit, claim there's been a mutation and then he can sell it all over again to all the same people exactly like he did with Microsoft Windows. I was going to say, but I'm not sure if you're going to touch on this before. It's just a little passing comment I read about Bill Gates about him talking about the coronavirus pandemic. He referred to it as Pandemic 1. So I think this might fuel your theory. Because when you think about other great events that have been numbers, so World War One and World War Two. Before World War Two, World War One wasn't called World War One. It was a great war. Yeah. So you think that may imply that he's got the second pandemic planned if you were to subscribe to that theory. It seems like definitive titles, a pandemic one, 
so let's say like ground zero or for the outbreak of the virus and you can't even use the argument of saying it's the first pandemic we've ever had so he's calling it one because there's been others like spanish flu and stuff so i think yeah it's, it's a strange way of wording it and it does unfortunately sort of imply that maybe there's another one coming of course there's another one coming <laughs> hopefully not Fed up with this already. As soon as the pub's open, it'll be basically pandemic two. <laughs> so just like the Microsoft operating systems, he doesn't care if it's individuals, companies or governments that are buying the vaccine, just as long as someone is. He recently stated that he would loan governments the funds needed to buy his own vaccine. So he's loaning governments money, presumably with interest, just so that they can buy his own vaccine off him. However, clearly, he also would need a pandemic in order to sell this vaccine to the world. In October 2019, just six weeks before the coronavirus outbreak, the Centre for Health and Security, which is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, held a conference to discuss recommendations that they would make to governments regarding what to do during a global pandemic. Now, if this isn't already suspicious enough, the scenario that they modelled involved a coronavirus pandemic, named as coronavirus, that started with transmission from bats to humans and would be very similar to the SARS outbreak in the sense that it would target the respiratory system. The scenario also highlighted how the virus would move via air travel to every country in the world, with the US and New York in particular being hit the hardest. The scenario ended with the introduction of a vaccine after 18 months, but also noted the possibility of mutations in the virus, meaning further vaccines would be needed. Blimey. (laughs) I mean, I think it's quite natural to plan for a global pandemic because there are outbreaks literally every couple of years of certain diseases and coronavirus especially we know it comes from bats and there's been previous coronavirus outbreaks there's been SARS there's been MERS there's been Ebola so I think it's quite natural to plan for a coronavirus outbreak and I'm assuming that they have probably planned it more than once so I guess it is coincidental it's every six weeks uh, the air travel that's I mean clearly it's going to spread by air travel right and just by going on population density, New York is going to be hit really hard. So I don't think there's anything major there. So is there a documented evidence of these conferences taking place out there on public record? Yeah, so this is the thing I thought when I first heard it, I thought, ah, it's probably not true. And then I looked it up and you can find videos all over YouTube of inside the conference. And then if you go on the uh, Centre for Health and Security website, you can find full uh, details of the scenario of when it was, of who was there. It's got the big Bill Gates thing as a sponsor and it tells you all about the findings. So it is all on there. It literally, you can find it instantly if you type it in. It was called Event 201. I think on Luke's point, I'd be surprised if actual pandemic scenarios are carried out as often as you're kind of making out. I think six weeks before is very soon before. If, if they were as regular as you kind of implied, you'd think the worldwide response to this would be a hell of a lot better than it was. It sort of seems we were caught cold yeah. in a lot of senses. I mean, there's there's definitely an epidemic every few years or so. And obviously in our lifetime, we had the swine flu pandemic in, I think, 2008 or 2009. So that's quite a regular occurrence. I mean, I don't, I don't know about every regulator and every government, but I know the UK government and regulators kind of make you take into account pandemic. So I know from my work has a pandemic response. Yeah, again, in terms of the regularity, you, you talk about swine flu and stuff, that it was just nowhere near as widespread as this, you know. It was nowhere near reaching every country and, and even really needing a vaccine. I don't remember anyone having that. I think there was it was a swine flu died out. It was optional though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, d- it definitely reached every country. It was just not as deadly. 
kind of trips transmit as well, I think, compared to this yeah, one. Yeah. I think it was deadlier, which was why it died out quicker, because it was just killing its hosts and dying with them. Mm. Anyway, just to reiterate, six weeks before the pandemic, Bill Gates modelled a coronavirus outbreak scenario called coronavirus and made recommendations based off this to governments and world leaders about how best to combat it. Now, don't know about you two, but this is so suspicious to me that Gates either knows a lot more about this outbreak than he's saying publicly or he's psychic. I think now, he's psychic. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got to have some sort of supernatural powers to be able to make that much money just by say, repurposing old software, well, basically what it's in, repurposing old software. Yeah, so he didn't even come up with the operating system, he just adapted it so it would work with IBM computers. I just sort of see like that whole story you talked about earlier. He's got maybe like a ruthless streak to him just to constantly be charging consumers, businesses, money on almost a cyclical basis. Exactly, and IBM, who he was doing it for, okay, they're a big company, but they said, oh, we need this specific system for us, can you make it just for us kind of as a competitive advantage? And he said, no, I'll make it for you and then I'm selling it to all your competitors as well, which again, is a pretty ruthless thing to do. Especially what, when you're a new starter company. What is the point of the regular vaccine update, though? Because surely he doesn't need more money. You don't really know. I mean, you don't get to be that rich if you don't have a drive to make more money. And he could be doing it, using it for other things or giving it to other people, I suppose, who he's in leagues with. Yeah, I suppose. I want to know, what is his long-term end game, though? So he's made enough money to last several lifetimes over and with stuff to spare. And I mean, he doesn't seem to be wanting to gain political power, as far as we know. Just having that money get, comes with the power in itself. But what is his motive for the end of all this? To depopulate the world. Well, potentially. Or he may just want to, to use this money to gain as much power as he can, mm. which I'll kind of touch on now, I suppose. So Bill Gates is clearly a hugely powerful figure due to Microsoft, but his charity work has also led him to being incredibly well-connected within the medical world, despite him, as I've already mentioned, personally having very limited medical experience and knowledge. Take the UK, for example. Bill Gates can have a huge sway within the UK due to his connections with Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty. Whitty is a key figure regarding the UK's response to the virus, providing his recommendations to the Prime Minister regarding the best course of action. But in 2008, Bill Gates gave Chris Whitty $40 million in order to fund research into malaria, a huge incentive and a clear indicator of a past and maybe present close relationship between Whitty and Gates. Could it be that the government advice from Whitty to send the UK into lockdown was actually done to benefit Gates and on Gates's orders? Well, you think we were quite slow to actually enact the lockdown process. I'm not sure whether it was to first go with this herd immunity, but that was also Bill Gates's. Well, I'll tell you, shall I, Callum? Please do. So, government advice regarding the lockdown already seems somewhat hypocritical and poorly thought out. We're told to stay as far apart from each other as possible and not leave the house. And then in the same breath, we're all told to stand out in the street close to each other at the same time every week and clap our hands, the main carriers of the germs. We also entered lockdown later than most countries, which is because initially the UK's plan was to benefit from herd immunity by exposing the population to the virus and therefore building a natural immunity against it due to people's immune systems fighting off the illness. If this was the plan, there would be no need for a vaccine because people would already be immune, which wouldn't benefit Gates, clearly. Instead, however, the UK government opted for a lockdown. Exposure to the virus was limited as much as possible and as a result, the number of people immune would be incredibly low. At the time of recording... 215,000 people have contracted the virus in the UK, which adjusting for deaths leaves around 180,000 people immune out of a population of 66.5 million. This means around 99.7% of the population would still require a vaccine. 
which translates to around 66.32 million sales of the vaccine in the UK alone. Yeah, and a lot of things uh, that the amount of cases doesn't represent the true amount of cases. Yeah, I suppose you've got all the unknown it's carry. Close. It's probably not even 10%. I mean, even so, we're, we're, I mean, we're nowhere. Even if he sells yeah. it to half the country. It, I don't think the government's main consensus was herd immunity. I think it was just discussed as an option. And as soon as the government realised that this herd immunity approach would cost like 500,000 lives, it was quickly shot down and lockdown occurred. But even given that, I think they're still, they were still saying for a long time, even in lockdown, herd immunity was a plan and we'd have a kind of gradual lockdown release in order to the plan was always herd immunity but it was just herd immunity in a way that the nhs wouldn't be overwhelmed so it was gradual herd immunity so you expose people for a bit so the nhs isn't overwhelmed but now we're not hearing that at all we're not hearing herd immunity mentioned all we're hearing is a vaccine it seems like there's been a bit of a u-turn i think they realized that herd immunity would cost so many lives whereas for example with swine flu herd immunity which i mean effectively was what the government went for with swine flu herd immunity without would have cost I don't know maybe twenty thousand lives. Coronavirus is well, we don't know problem. how many lives it could have taken because you look at the differing death rates. We don't we don't even really know what the real true death rate is the coronavirus because there's been a bit of controversy about the coronavirus testing. People are dying with the symptoms and they're not being tested, but they're going down as a coronavirus death. And it seems strange our death rate is so much higher than anywhere else. So in theory, we, we we will never know for sure if we did just leave it and get herd immunity, whether we would have actually saved more lives in doing it this way. We'd... I think the main reason about going into lockdown was probably just the sheer amount of criticism that the government was getting, considering every other country around us was enforcing strict lockdown measures. And it was shown to slow the spread of the virus. And first, when you consider the ageing population of the UK, it's probably a much, well, a much safer bet just to completely restrict people's movements, stop the spread of the virus. If you look at how it's, uh, it's gotten into care homes and how disastrous it's been there. Yeah, I do agree. I think if you're saying herd immunity is a thing, it's it comes across as quite brutal, doesn't it? Because it's saying, yes, some of you will die, but it's for the greater good, which would never go down well with the public. Yeah, unless you want to believe in the boomer remover theory. Yeah, of course, yeah. Throwing back to episode one. I think in terms of the death rate and the differing death rates, that's solely down to the differences in testing. Obviously, the UK is only was only testing people in hospitals, so the death rate was naturally higher than the rest of the world. I think we've always known the death rate is around 0.5 to 1%. So ours is uh, 10%. It's but like yeah, 11%. that's that's just because we're only, we were only testing people hospitalised. I think what the government assumed when they were discussing this herd immunity approach is, yes, a 1% death rate would wipe out 1% of the population, but the virus will not be that contagious. It will be like swine flu, where it won't spread as easily. And therefore, if you lose 1% of, 1% of the population that catches it, you're okay. But quickly we kind of realize that this would sweep through the whole nation and you'd end up losing one percent of 50 million which would be five hundred thousand, and that's just not acceptable no exactly so on the face of it this theory is all about money bill gates can sell this vaccine to billions worldwide charge whatever price he wants because it will largely be the governments that pay for it not the public and then you take the virus whenever he sees fit to sell yet another vaccine to everyone however there may be even more motives still for bill gates to produce a vaccine He's already spoken about the use of coronavirus certificates to show that you've had the vaccine. Once you have one of these certificates, you'll be allowed to move and travel freely again and live a normal life. The use of the word certificates may be intentional because despite being traditionally paper, they can also be digital, leading many to believe there could in fact be a chip inside this new vaccine. These chips may show digitally whether you've had the vaccine and they may also include GPS quality so you can be tracked. 
This would come in particularly useful should there be a second pandemic and lockdown, because the government will be able to clearly track who's in lockdown and who isn't. Microsoft were late to the mobile phone market, and human chips have long been talked about as the next generation of mobile technology. Gates may look to not miss out again, and in fact gain license to this new chip market as quickly as possible, and becoming the market leader. The difficulty comes with letting the public know about these chips. Should they become voluntary, the numbers would likely be low of volunteers, so they may be implanted into the vaccine instead in order to justify the vaccine's price to governments, as the chip itself can act as a tracking and a control device. To conclude, the vaccine could mirror the business model of Microsoft that Bill Gates made his billions from. He has more than a passing interest in the virus at the moment and is held in suspiciously high regard by medical officials and reporters for someone with no medical experience. Could it be that he's behind the pandemic for his own game and to help implant chips into the public in order to aid government control? Or is he simply a psychic trying to help? Guys, what do you reckon? I say lots to unpack there. You think of Bill Gates, you think altruistic. Yes, he's made a lot of money, but it's all you think it's all been from good causes. He wants to help the world with his work, with his foundation, especially for malaria in these less economically developed countries. But then this whole other side of him, where think he's releasing a virus for potential population control, is very Thanos-like. Oh, no. But then when you consider all, the, all of this research, I mean, maybe complete coincidental um, evidence rather than hard facts, it does raise some suspicions, raise a few eyebrows here and there, especially predicting the almost exact spread of the virus from its point of inception through to where the most um, hit areas just six weeks before the actual pandemic really kicked in. Yeah, it's crazy. That's questioning. I think on the subject of him being altruistic as well, something I read but I haven't written down, basically somebody studied all the investments he's made in terms of his charitable donations and what they've been into, and they actually think he's made more money out of them than he's put in. So maybe they're actually just savvy business investments. So with things like malaria, he invested a lot into that, <laughs> but he makes a portion of the profit from all the malaria nets sold and things like that. Oh. So actually there's a lot of people who think his charity things are just sort of a mask for just another business opportunity that also yeah. boosts his profile that's the thing with lots of these charities that are set up do tend to be front see the amount of money the executives gets compared to the actual money that goes to the people they're supposed to be helping exactly do you Oxfam think... came under fire for paying its ceo like more than most of the FTSE 100 do you think this smart businessman is uh that stupid that he'd openly have a conference on coronavirus six weeks before coronavirus started or do you think he's just that obnoxious he just wants to tease everyone if, if we subscribe to the villain theory i think it's the latter so it's like revealing the plan to the protagonist <laughs> yeah but anybody who ever brings it up it's like the old there's so many different conspiracies where the evidence is supposedly out there in the open but no one will listen to it everyone always gets written off so i think you knew full well no one would read it i mean no one's aware of event 201 no one knew it happened mm. despite the fact there's websites with it official government websites with it it's all over youtube if you ask anyone out in the population i guarantee point naught 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 one percent of people even know it happened so there's no real risk and then if anything it will work the other way because he'll say well we've been planning for this because we knew it was in we knew it was an inevitability that's why we're so well prepared with this vaccine already because we've been planning for it it doesn't necessarily mean they did it it can easily be spun the other way i think i suppose um planning for a vaccine for a virus it would suggest 
that they've had to hand in creating the actual uh, pathogens because the vaccine wouldn't be readily available or instantaneously unless you knew the exact genetic makeup of the virus. Which is why I suppose he's, he's saying a year at the earliest yeah. for it, when in fact it could be ready now, we don't know. I suppose people wouldn't want to be questioning uh, Bill Gates given how highly regarded he's held in the public eye, given he's just seen, like we said, very altruistic amounts of um, money he's donated to his various charitable organisations, that he's given computer access to billions of people through his first company. But people wouldn't want to question that, which is maybe feed into this whole master plan villainous motive of him flaunting the um, coronavirus pandemic to the unknowing public to think they're gullible fools while they still eat out of his hand when he's talking by not being very qualified medically i've got a question for you john on the theory oh no so obviously this theory kind of relies on bill and melinda gates foundation being the ones to find the vaccine yeah currently as far as i'm aware i believe the leading vaccine producer is looking likely to be the Jenner Institute from the University of Oxford, of which the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funds in no way. So do we think that just as they're about to crack the uh, vaccine, Bill and Melinda are going to come out with their own, that they've been stockpiling all these years? I think it could be spun either way. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation could do that, or in the next few weeks, you might hear of a partnership between the two. Aggressive takeover. Um, yeah, possibly. Or it could just simply be a case of they're funding it behind the scenes and they don't want to fund it publicly. But when Bill Gates, yeah, he's constantly talking about he's the ones working on it and he's the one kind of pushing that agenda. It would be surprising if he wasn't working on a vaccine as well. So I'm confident he's involved in some way, whether it be Your he's donating personally. Oh, very, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I've spoke to him recently. On Microsoft tech support. Yeah. Right, so yeah, round up with some ratings then. Yeah, go for it. I want to say that the amount of research you have done for this one is quite impressive. All these different angles and aspects of it, all sort of coming together to form as one, I would say, cohesive theory, if you look at it as a pure conspiracy theory. I think if everything was pure um, evidence, not coincidence, actual causation, you've got a very good co- conspiracy theory there. <laughs> So unfortunately, this obviously in reality is not the case. It's been just because you don't even want to think someone is so heinous to basically plan a, a global outbreak of a virus for money and population control. But overall, oh yeah, if this is true, yeah, it's awful. But overall, say as a conspiracy theorist, I'm going to give this one a nine. I quite, I really liked it. I really enjoyed <laughs> hearing about it. So as you might be able to guess, my uh, believability score might be slightly lower. <laughs> despite about trying to say, justify it as a point of devil's advocate just thinking some of these things could be true especially the prediction element of it how he's held these conferences discussed plans of creating vaccines i do want to give the believability i say about it's going to be a two of that one i just don't yeah. think that bill gates he's got it in him to completely eradicate or, or try to eradicate the population and just his means to make a load of money track people with his microchips and just extort governments by charging them interest on loans to buy his own products, whether it's a vaccine or not. Although that part of it is true. But yeah, uh, two out of ten, I perfectly understand that. Luke, what do you reckon? Yeah, following up from Callum, I think it's a really good conspiracy. Um, the second richest man in the world, leading a plot to make more money, starting a virus and g- gaining personal control over the whole world by doing so. 
for that reason, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Nice. The believability, again, copying Callum, I prefer to believe that it's way more likely that Bill Gates is just a guy who has a lot of money and sees that he can do good with a lot of money without actually damaging his personal wealth. <laughs> and so is therefore choosing to help fund the vaccine, one of the greatest global crises of all time, rather than the fact that he's got some ulterior motive behind it. Also, I feel like just conspiracy around Bill Gates clutches at straws. Uh, on the one hand, you've got people like, yeah, Bill Gates is doing it because he wants to depopulate the world. The next you've got, oh, Bill Gates is doing it because he wants to put microchips in everyone and track everyone. And then you've got the other people saying, oh, Bill Gates is doing it because he wants to make a heck load of money. Believability, I'm going to copy Callum and go for a two out of ten. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you too. I think in terms of the conspiracy jumping around a bit, that's always the case with every conspiracy, just because the nature of a conspiracy theory is you'll never have all the information. So any gaps, you kind of have to plug them yourself rather than like an official story where you're given everything. I think an interesting thing that I forgot to mention is that Bill Gates hasn't vaccinated any of his own children, which seems like a bit of an odd thing to do for someone who seems so passionate about vaccines. So maybe he doesn't trust them or would only trust his own one. Yeah. Yeah, he's quite public about that. Well, maybe he doesn't want to give them autism, like all these anti-vaxxers believe. Yeah, well, he's got autism. I don't know if he thinks that's why. I don't. I really don't know. But it's a strange stance for someone like him to have. Um, create a successor, Bill Gates, too, to really crack down on depopulation when the global population hits 100 billion rate it's growing <laughs> that's how he rolls he always pulls out a new edition so bill gates 2.0 especially because his dad's called bill gates senior we're already on bill gates 2.0 but yeah i think overall in terms of the conspiracy theory again i really enjoy researching this one especially because it was kind of while i was writing it things were falling into place a bit and it seemed quite compelling so i'm going to give it a nine and a half in terms of believability, I might go a, a little bit higher. I might go for a three. But again, I, I really wouldn't like to believe any kind of aspect of it. I think potentially him bringing out a vaccine for a, a real virus, but wanting to make money from it. But a vaccine that would work is probably the one that would be the most comforting because it's just someone trying to make money, but it would ultimately benefit everyone. Some of the other ones are even more ominous, I think. But yeah, I'll go for three overall. Do I hand over to Luke for our second theory of the day? Thanks for that, John. Now, the diehard co-conspirators podcast fans will remember in episode one, I touched upon the conspiracy that China released the virus in an attempt to crash the world economy and overtake America. And in this episode, I'm going to touch on the theory that it was actually America that released the virus and they wanted to crash the Chinese economy. And ironically, this is actually a theory that has been pushed a bit in China itself. So all the Chinese conspiracists listening will be loving this one. It was actually pushed by um, an aide to the Chinese foreign minister. I think I've heard this one. I, think I know who the guy you're on about. So I referenced him a bit in my series. Yeah, an interesting one. Yeah, it's, it's quite a well-known one. And honestly, I'm surprised by how much it actually has weight to it. I'm not necessarily saying that it was America who brought it to China. But what I'm going to mention kind of gives weight to why it started in Wuhan. And that is the idea that the virus was brought to Wuhan by the American military during the 2019 military games that were held in Wuhan in October and November. And given that this military games where people gathered from all around the world happened in October and November and the virus started around October and November, it's probably a realistic time for the virus to be at the beginning stages. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to touch on this more, but has this not backfired massively on the US? I mean, yeah, it definitely has. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe the population control element. Then you've got less consumers buying things from China. So kill two birds with one stone. And I mean, at the end of the day, I guess they have got their wishes. The Western attitude has kind of turned away from China. Um, China's the villain in all yeah, this. Definitely. And I think after everything kind of goes back to normality in a way, there will be this shade over China. So yeah, the, this um, aide to the foreign minister in China was arguing that the American military brought it over during the 2019 games in Wuhan. And they say that America had the virus first. And it was spreading in America before it came to Wuhan. And people dying of influenza in the USA were actually dying from corona. This theory could suggest that despite China having cases recognised first, they didn't actually have it first. They were just the first to spot it and mass test it. So whilst we were seeing a rise and rise of cases in Wuhan, the same was happening in the USA. It's just that Wuhan spotted it and policy was enacted to control it and tests were happening to confirm there was coronavirus in Wuhan. This could actually be why China ended up with just 3,000 deaths and America is on course for over 100,000 because China spotted it while it's spreading at the beginning and America just didn't. I suppose the only issue with this is then you have the new question of, well, where did it start then and how yeah. did it start? I mean, I, I guess this theory isn't actually suggesting that America made it in a lab and purposely brought it to China. The thing that I find most interesting about this theory is the idea of one country bringing it to Wuhan, not necessarily America. I think China wants to pin the blame on America, but this military games could easily have brought virus to Wuhan. Could have been anyone, yeah. There was me thinking that um, America brought over a big vat of coronavirus (laughs) released released (laughs) on the last day just they got on the plane. I mean, I I I think this theory could develop into that, and I'm sure there are plenty of Chinese conspiracists who do believe it was actually manufactured in America and brought to China and I mean to our Chinese fans out there if you want to drop us a comment on any conspiracies you guys have we'd love to hear them I do actually remember hearing which kind of ties into this kind of doesn't tie into this a few days ago that France say they had a confirmed case yeah back in November exactly I'm I'm actually going to touch on that oh okay cool so one thing that we do know is that when coronavirus did officially start in the USA the Center of Disease and Control, the CDC, infamously messed up testing, and it was nigh on impossible to have access to a test. Essentially, in America, and to be honest, most of the Western world, including our home country to the UK, the criteria was you must have been to China or Asia, and you must have symptoms. This made it almost Mm. impossible for us to see any cases that weren't from China. So we would never know if anyone who didn't travel from China had the virus. If someone, for example, in London had the virus, but hadn't been to Asia, and it was spreading around in London, we we wouldn't find out just because we weren't testing these people. To me, it seems quite odd. This was the criteria. I agree. Looking back, it's really weird because they were even saying if you've got all the symptoms, but you haven't been to Wuhan specifically, don't worry about it because it's probably someone else. Exactly. We kind of ruled out seeing this virus from anywhere apart from Wuhan. But I suppose they could only act on the evidence they had, which would have been tenuous. But it did point to the wet markets and the fallout from that situation was... The most likely, the reason there's been memes now, like the bat soup. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus it happened before with SARS, which is a very similar mm-hmm. disease. This is SARS too, and that happened in China as wet markets. So I suppose the assumption is it's happened there before. Yeah. They've got the most cases at this point in time. It's probably originated. It may yeah, not. It's like a bit of a dangerous precedent to set for testing, especially discounting people who may be having all, exhibiting all the symptoms just because they didn't come directly from Wuhan. Yeah, and I think yeah, exactly. that is kind of what these Chinese officials are pointing out, that literally everyone who had coronavirus early on in the United States was from Wuhan because 
they were the only people being tested. So it was easy for America to point a finger at Wuhan. But whether that was actually the case, that all their cases were coming from there, we don't really know. You could spin it the other way. You could say that they were giving that advice. Say say the UK and the US knew about this, that they brought it over to Wuhan. Maybe they, if they knew that they'd brought the virus over to Wuhan, they could still give the advice, only need a test if you've been to Wuhan, because they know that it's it's originated there, but from the yeah, US okay. kind of thing. Exactly. <laughs> Insurance policy for their, well, if it was America that created it, they'll be just outcry to just prevent that anyone from finding out just a bit of a cover-up. So as John did mention, um, France recently confirmed there was a virus case in late December. Before that, we kind of thought the first virus in the US and Europe was late January. Um, so this adds weight to the fact that the virus was around in these areas before um, it came commonly known as the Wuhan virus. And to shout out my alma mater researcher, Francois Borloo of the University College London Genetics Institute, pulled viral sequences from a giant global database from scientists around the world and found that the virus had been in the US and Europe months before the first reported cases. So as I've kind of mentioned here, maybe it was just merely a case of Wuhan being the first to properly test for it is why it's ground zero. Mm. And it could have been ground zero elsewhere, but it just wasn't tested and it was put down as influenza. Do you know how they know this? How can you know that someone had it in November, given that news came out in like April? Because there wasn't tests around then. Yeah, I'm not. Because they hadn't made it yet. Not entirely sure, but it's come from analyzing viral sequences from shared global data on a giant global database so maybe some kind of dna from people who were suffering from influenza at the time i suppose there's two ways you could look at it actually that kind of explain it they could have just kept the swab from november and then tested it again yeah exactly. or the slightly more difficult one they they could have done that antibody test thing for the person who had the symptoms but has since recovered but they could have picked it up between november and the test yeah so probably the most likely is they kept the swab i guess yeah so for the um case that john mentioned in france they had kept the swab And this was, as mentioned, in late December of 2019. And this was someone who had not traveled. And hence, we can confirm that French community transition was way back in December, when originally we thought it was in February. So Corona could have been brewing in France, like in Wuhan, but was obviously unnoticed because it wasn't tested for. So instead of stopping it like Wuhan, it spread quietly. And this is, yeah, as I mentioned, even more likely given they were only testing people who traveled to Asia. Would you not think that if that was the case, that France have a lot more cases than they currently do? Yeah. The thing is, right, France does yeah, exactly. have way more cases than China. I think it could just be a case, though, of a lot of people have had it and they've survived it. Mm. And the people who've died have gone, have been put down as flu or something, mm. it, like wrongly. And then to go back to the Wuhan military games, as I mentioned, the French military team report that when they came back from the games, they were all suffering from a mystery illness. Whether this is due to contact with the American military team or just being in Wuhan where the virus supposedly started is up for debate. To add a bit of weight to this theory, I will say that in the UK, a lot of people were ill around a similar time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, there weren't any deaths as such, but maybe coronavirus was spreading slowly around the UK at the same time and it mutated to get worse. And that's why we're seeing so many deaths now. Because I mean, there were a lot of people ill in the UK at the time. Yeah, there were. Uh, I mean, so many people at my work say, oh, yeah, I'm sure I've had it already. I think it's a dangerous precedent to move forward with, because if you're going around with a false sense of immunity, you might take more risks. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, if this is all true, the real question is, was it the US military that brought the virus to Wuhan? 
Was it another military team? Was it purposeful or was it accidental? Maybe the US military were given the virus to release in Wuhan or maybe the US military team just enjoyed some local wet market delicacies in their space yeah. and they were the ones who ate the bat and spread it that way. Yeah, so it's just to say, if they, <laughs> if it was like this deliberate release by the US military, you wonder then why is the US getting hit so badly? Do you think they would have they had the foresight to develop a vaccine before they spread it to their economic competitors? Yeah. I mean, you'd like to think so, yeah. Which is why I guess maybe people might want to prefer the theory that it was accidental, but it did come from America. And... One of the people in the military games team mixed up the bottles, probably. <laughs> yeah. One had coronavirus in, one had air freshener in, he sprayed all the air freshener in Wuhan, <laughs> sprayed all the coronavirus in. <laughs> well, you'd like to think that these are laboratories where the viruses may or may not be manufactured and more stringent security protocols than getting mixed up with air freshener bottles, but you never know. <laughs> Don't rule it out. The rationale why America would want to do this, I mean, I'm sure we can think of plenty of reasons. One look at their president's response shows that they'll try and pin it on China one way or another. Um, their president's really pushing the idea that it's from a Wuhan laboratory, and I mean, he's claiming he has evidence of that. So he wants. And he's calling it the Chinese virus. He definitely wants yeah, it to be the exactly. I think that's calling it the Chinese virus, maybe more of a political tactic rather than directly pinning on it, but then saying in his press conference, yes, I've seen evidence that it came from a Wuhan laboratory, which I think coincidentally um, directly contradicted his intelligence team's briefings on the same day that they'd concurred with the general science scientific um, consensus that it was from natural causes in wildlife that started the virus. Maybe Donald Trump just wants payback for the uh, 1958 Hong Kong flu that killed a million people <laughs> worldwide, actually originated in China. Just, just for Hong Kong. You never know you never these know. days. <laughs> you could argue if this theory was true, coronavirus has actually been successful in doing so. Um, without doubt, China's going to see a huge drop in exports after the coronavirus is over. Um, and also, without doubt, if any country has the financial and scientific means to carry this ploy out, it would be America. America has a motive and there's power to do so. Um, and what do you guys think overall? Then? I suppose also, if maybe Trump politically has a motive as well. He's built his whole campaign on um, being very critical towards China and he's been whipping up all American made manufacturing rather than buying parts from China, hence fueling his whole trade war with the country. So just from a personal standpoint, yeah. with the elections coming up, to further tarnish China in the eyes of the Americans, because he'd be seen as a political win for his supporters. Exactly. The thing that bothers me most about this theory is, of course, how fucked America's ended up being. Yeah. Mm. But the, the thing that really does add the most weight to me is the fact that they were only testing people coming back from Wuhan, despite if you had all the symptoms. That really does mm. kind of strange isn't it yeah because like a massive overstate. it does but it literally meant there was no way the virus wouldn't be pointed to wuhan because it would never yeah. be found out it was coming from anywhere else or there was any community transmission just because you simply could not get a test yeah i suppose if you want to subscribe to this theory specifically it, the much more believable angle is the accidental release of accident um, american military they didn't know they were carrying it when they went to wuhan for these military games rather than the air freshener arguments where the bottle of coronavirus was very similar and had the same delivery mechanism <laughs> as your glade or your Febreze. The <laughs> military guy, the unlucky one, just had the last yeah. concentration, so to spray himself with the wrong <laughs> one. The rest of his history. But... I mean, if you go down the accidental route, you can, of course, pin the blame to any country as there were yeah. a number that went to these military games. 
I've heard just a tiny few things about maybe it didn't originate in Wuhan, but nothing in any of this sort of detail. And it is quite compelling in places, the fact that there were cases way before. And I mean, even now we're having trouble in terms of tests, because if you look at the, you're only going to get as many positive tests as you have tests, if you know what I mean. So if Wuhan were the first place to start testing, then they're obviously going to have the most cases first uh, and vice versa. If the US were delayed and later to testing, then they're going to have appear as if they had the virus later, even if they didn't. So I think it's got legs there. Um, so yeah, in terms of the overall conspiracy, I'll give it, I only give it an eight out of 10. I think it is, it is a very good conspiracy theory. In terms of believability, I think if it was intentional, again, you look at how badly it has backfired on not just the US, but everywhere else. And if it were to ever to get out, it wouldn't turn everyone's backs against China. It would turn everyone against the US, which is quite a risk to take. But if it was unintentional and they brought it over, could have been cases in the US. I'd, yeah, I think it's it's a possibility. And just Wuhan were just better equipped and, and started doing testings first. So believability, I'll give it just on the fact that it didn't originate in Wuhan and originated elsewhere. I'll give it a 4.5. It's quite a solid array, and thanks, John. Yeah. Oh, well, you when you first presented this theory, I was ready to completely debunk it. So I was had it in my head you were going to go along the angle of America deliberately brought it over and spread it around. So there is no way, given yeah. the amount of fallout they've had in their country, they wouldn't be able to actually then present the virus or the vaccine to their allies. But then when it did develop, it got a lot more interesting. You think this accidental spread coinciding with the military games and the um, lack of tests or the oversights with the testing protocols just testing from Wuhan does make you think that it was not a strategy for deliberately releasing the virus but as a cover-up that America may have been the place where the virus started accidentally. So I really quite like this one as events do fall into place to just adds a bit more of a good believability element to the conspiracy theory. So, so I'm going to follow on with John's rating and give it an eight as well. And so similarly for the believability, maybe I'm going to go slightly lower and give it a three, just because the think there's the evidence that I've found in my theory I'm about to present may put more, um, mm-hmm. or cast more aspersions towards the uh, Wuhan laboratories and everything that went on there. But overall, I really liked it. Yeah, going on from that, I really enjoyed researching this theory. It was nice to look from a different angle because, I mean, obviously everyone believes, and probably rightly so, that this virus did originate from Wuhan. So it's nice to explore different theories surrounding its origin because I feel like they haven't been touched upon too much. In terms of believability, I mean, the thing for me is, um, I think in late December, there were only a handful of cases in Wuhan. I think we're talking in the single figures. And at the same time, there were these people in France who were going to hospital for coronavirus and we just didn't know at the time. So France could have been at the same stage as Wuhan in late December, which to me kind of blows my mind. But in in terms of its overall believability, maybe I just believe that this France team that came back from the Wuhan military games had caught it there and brought it back to France. And that's why there was some transmission in France itself. So overall, I'm going to give this 5 out of 10 on believability. Quite a high score there. As I believe abilities go. It is, yeah, yeah. I did I did believe this one the more I delved into it. I still obviously strongly believe it originated in the wet markets, but in pesky yeah. pangolins. Yeah. And you know the French the French eat a lot of funny things as well. So yeah. So yeah, Callum, have you got a conspiracy for us? I do indeed. I think maybe you might be questioning your belief that it originated the wet market once I finish. We'll, we'll see about that. Callum hit us. Thanks for that, Luke. 
Our next theory is an expansion on a conspiracy that we introduced in the first podcast. The idea that the virus was created in a Wuhan laboratory and either deliberately or accidentally released into the surrounding environment. The main piece of evidence that exists to support this theory is the fact that the Wuhan Institute of Virology is located only 10 miles from the wet market labelled as Ground Zero. This is the only level 4 laboratory in China, which means it has the highest classification of biosafety precautions, designed for work with agents that have no available vaccines or treatment, where transmission to humans could be fatal. Key areas of research to emerge include work examining SARS-like coronaviruses, finding that horseshoe bats have presented with over 300 different sequences of coronavirus strains. Despite being subjected to the highest levels of biosafety, these standards are not regulated by any official treaties, which may lead to safety discrepancies when comparing between different sites. For a bit of context, as we mentioned in the first podcast again, about the smallpox samples being stored in laboratories in Russia and the US, these are also biosafety level four. So it gives you an idea of the severity of the pathogens they may have been housed in these facilities. Interesting. Since our first podcast a few weeks ago, this theory has received substantially more attention from mainstream media outlets, fueled no end by President Trump's revelation. In a typically rambling statement, he accused WHO of running public relations for China and directly contradicted his own intelligence service, who had released a press briefing that they, that they concurred with the wider scientific consensus that the virus originated from a natural source. So I think Luke touched on this earlier. Trump's definitely po- uh, looking to point the blame at China. But it doesn't really seem like he has any concrete evidence he's willing to disclose with the press. I was just going to say it's them, um, and he knows it's them, but it's not actually going to tell us why. Yeah, I think in his statement, he just said, yes, I have seen evidence, but no, I'm not. it's not the right time to reveal it. Can't keep a secret. At most of his press conference, he's just saying words around the topic area. <laughs> So also following on from a bit on Luke's theory, on the flip side, certain Chinese dignitaries have tried to divert the responsibility back to America with a Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson, Zhao Lijian, accusing the US military of bringing the virus to Wuhan. Despite this um, mudslinging back and forth between China and America, the most widely supported theory is the fact that the virus occurred naturally, most likely originating from bats or civets that were then sold and consumed at the wet market in Wuhan. What about pangolin? Civets were SARS 2003 motor Pangolin, uh, pangolin, <laughs> pangolin, civets, also um, exotic creatures nonetheless, and own carriers of SARS like coronaviruses. But the main theory is owed towards the, the horseshoe bats. But yeah, as I mentioned, say scientific research to analyse the genome structure of this novel coronavirus has concluded that the virus originates in wildlife, drawing on articles published in journals across the world. However, continuing on what I touched on earlier, it's very difficult to eliminate the possibility that the virus, or potentially originated from animal sources, was subject to an accidental or deliberate release from a laboratory. Given the severity of the SARS outbreak in 2002, it is understandable that scientists would want to examine different strains of coronavirus or to ascertain how they mutate and prepare potential vaccines just to understand the virus more, where it originates from and how it spreads. Nevertheless, some of the published research that has emerged from this institute in the years following has been very interesting, given the severity of the current outbreak, and has given weight to the conspiracy theory that the virus was the result of deliberate biological engineering. In 2010, a journal article was published that detailed a combination of a SARS-like bat coronavirus with the viral delivery system of human immunodeficiency virus, or HIV, which was then tested on human cells. Using the HIV as an outer shell, this allowed the coronavirus to attack human cells via angiotensin-converting enzymes, known as ACE2 receptors. So 
just a bit of uh, science and background there. The ACE2 is a key enzyme regulating blood pressure homeostasis as part of the renin angiotensin system, with the ACE2 receptors expressed in the lungs, kidneys, and gastrointestinal tract. The current coronavirus has also been shown to utilize these receptors in order to enter the cells, despite previous research showing that the spike protein produced by the genetically related bat-derived coronaviruses was unable to use the uh, human ACE2 proteins as receptors. While this may suggest foul play from biological engineering and potential bioweapons, multiple strains of the virus have yet to be researched, along with many different species of bat carriers, which may have naturally mutated to utilize the aforementioned receptors to enter human cells without artificial interference, as may be the case, or is most likely the case with this current outbreak. There's also been studies conducted in this lab that aim to maximize the opportunity for pathogenesis by combining two different SARS-CoV viruses from bats and mice forming what is known as a chimera virus. So chimera virus is created by joining nucleic acid fragments from two or more different microorganisms, in which each of at least two of the fragments contain essential genes necessary for replication. So it's the etymological standpoint, the definition stems from the mythical chimera creature, a hybrid Mm -hmm. between uh, two different animals like a griffin. Alex Jones is pig people. Apparently they're making in China. Human pig chimeras. On the um, Joe Rogan podcast and is going on about yeah, that. Yeah, was very impassioned there. <laughs> making human pigs in China. Yeah, and the worrying thing is you can find it on like BBC News. Right. I'm going to have to check that yeah. out for sure. <laughs> yeah, they're basically merging. I'd love to see the logic. Yeah. The base, well, the logic is to do with organ growth. So they're, they're merging like human and pig cells in order to make a hybrid being that you can then harness the organs of for use in like transplant. I see. It's a step up from growing ears on the backs of mice. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, back to the virus. So this uh, chimera virus could imply that the new virus has the potential to be weaponized. It's combining multiple viruses can increase their lethality. And after all, the plot of Mission Impossible 2 features a deadly bioweapon in the form of the chimera virus. Definitely based on facts rather than complete fiction. <laughs> However, chimera viruses are also created as part of the vaccine development process, as per the aforementioned re- research, so it could inform treatment and immunity protocols. Regardless, it is understandable why this research has been quant- a cause for concern when considering the nature of the recent outbreak, given the severity of the virus and the lack of clarity regarding its origin. Many scientists have rejected claims that the coronavirus was originally intended to be a bioweapon, stating that many countries have abandoned biological warfare research due to its impracticality. Experts have also noted that the strains of the virus, which some have suggested to have been genetically altered, for example, packing it in with the HIV delivery system, um, these are strains that are actually consistent with natural evolution. So as I mentioned previously, it's probably very difficult to track all the potential strains and to predict the different mutations from which a virus will take. Um, which does not give very much lucidity to either side of this conspiracy. However, this still doesn't completely rule out the possibility that the virus was accidentally released due to poor adherence to safety protocols or other failings. There have been previous examples of deadly viral outbreaks that have occurred through negligence. For example, in 1978, a British medical student died after being unknowingly exposed to smallpox, the result of chronic mismanagement of lab safety. Also, you heard about the, uh, the lab safety at University of Newcastle where they're doing a test on how caffeine affects you. And I, have, they, I, I, can't, I, I can't, haven't. I can't remember. I can't remember the exact measurements, but something like they were going to give them three grams of caffeine and ended up mixing it up and giving them three thousand, and all of them got rushed to hospital for having ridiculous amounts yeah. of caffeine. Oh my god! <laughs> they were nearly died. They got, um, mixed up between grams and milligrams, and just no one. Oh. The fact that you see heaping spoons of probably crushed uh, um, pro plus pills. 
There's a sports science <laughs> student having investigated caffeine before. That that has been constantly reminders to get your measurements right and be absolutely sure the first what you're doing. Oh, it's not like baking where you can afford a slip up. <laughs> Another lab safety incident occurred in the US in 2014 where the FDA found hundreds of vials of unclaimed virus samples in a cold storage room. Following testing, it turns out that six of the vials contained strains of smallpox, which was supposed to have been eradicated in 1980. In fact, one of a few of the vials actually had leaks, but luckily none of them were the ones that contained the smallpox. One thing for certain is, I mean, after all this has happened, after all this has passed, and whether or not it was accidentally released from the lab, they have to surely not be using air freshener bottles as the virus bottles. <laughs> asking. You're asking for trouble. <laughs> as much as we're trying to be encouraged to cut down our use of microplastics, recycling air freshener bottles might not be the most uh, effective solution when you're dealing with level four biosafety viruses. If you use them for the level threes. Just under, just, just under the coronavirus, it'll be less of an epidemic risk. And if you spray, accidentally decide to freshen up your room with the wrong bottle, it might not be deadly. <laughs> but anyway, relate this back to the potential outbreak. The Washington Post reported that in, officials from the U.S. Embassy registered concerns about inadequate safety at the Wuhan Institute, citing information about scientists performing risky research on bat-derived coronaviruses. This speculation suggested the potential for a SARS-like pandemic, given the potential for human transmission, was the virus ever to escape from containment. Naturally, Chinese officials disputed these claims, stating that the WHO declared there was no such evidence that the virus was produced in a lab. In an interesting turn of events, both French and American scientists had helped to set up this lab and had contributed to the implementation of safety protocols before the research into the coronavirus had started. So despite Trump's claims, US may not be entirely absolved of blame once it emerged that the Chinese were following US safety protocols, which caused the virus to be accidentally released into the environment. So now, given that this uh, conspiracy theory has been thrust into the mainstream, one might think that it loses its credibility as a true conspiracy. Far from it. There is substantial discrepancy between sources, the lack of sufficient evidence to truly believe one side of the story, especially considering the research conducted in the laboratory concerning the potential for human transmission of bat-derived coronavirus and SARS-like pathogens. Experts have claimed strains currently being researched in the lab, having been identified in bats, lack the necessary mutations required to infect humans, strongly asserting that this novel coronavirus originated naturally. However, I have covered research that's been published in accredited journals that seems to suggest otherwise. It's the scientists um, combining bat-derived coronavirus with other uh, delivery mechanisms and creating things like these chimera viruses and things with increased ability to enter human cells with a much more lethal pathogen. So I'll pass it over to you guys. What do you think about all the information I've sort of um, gone through? It's quite a bit, a bit of science in there. Yeah, I think... There's a hell of a lot of information in there, a hell of a lot of kind of science behind it. I think it's not even a conspiracy that there's biological labs and stuff that deal with quite dangerous chemicals and, and even diseases, as you touched on with like smallpox and things being discovered. And so there's always going to be potential for it to spill out. I also think the first response of a government like China probably would be to cover it up as much as they could and not kind of take the blame for it especially if it was an accident well either way if it was an accident they probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. because of how bad it makes them look and then there might be restrictions from the who and other places like that organizations that would say well if you're not capable of using these diseases and doing this research safely then we might have to restrict what you're able to research so there'd be an obvious 
uh, reason for them to cover that one up. And then obviously, if they've done it on purpose, they're never going to own yeah. up to it. I quite like the almost hypocrisy of Trump blaming China for it and being incompetent. And then it turns out they're following US safety standards. So it gets an extra point from me for that. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. In terms of conspiracy as a whole, it's got so much detail and science behind it and also the fact that it you know it could have been a chemical weapon or it could have been something as simple as not following procedure that has led to a pandemic and the whole world on lockdown i'll probably give it overall as a conspiracy i'll give it a seven and a half and then for believability probably the highest on the list i think it could well have been created in a lab and accidentally exposed to the public and got out of hand so i'm going to give it i'll just about give it a five out of ten for believability Certainly, as far as conspiracies go, it's far less far-fetched than a lot of them. Exactly, yeah. I think, so five on our believability scale is, you know, it could very much be the case that it's true. Yeah. Just given how, yeah, how ridiculous some of the things we've covered in our research over these episodes. I'd say it's slightly more believable than the theory that it's Prince Philip reincarnated. As disappointed as that might be to many of our <laughs> listeners, yes, yeah, I have to agree with you there. <laughs> I don't think Prince Philip is coming back for vengeance anytime soon. <laughs> what about you, Luke? Yeah, in terms of conspiracy, it's uh, it's a really interesting one. It's probably the most detailed analysis we've had of a conspiracy in terms of going into all the nooks and crannies. So it kind of adds a bit more weight to the theory when, you know, there's scientific journals involved. And I mean, obviously, when you've got the president of the USA involved as well. Um, they always boost a conspiracy, but it seems like there's a lot of conspiracies nowadays that we can say he's involved in. In terms of the US standards, I find that quite interesting. A bit hypocritical, I guess, but I think US standards aren't really all that. Could be, could be a conspiracy in itself, mm-hmm. but most US standards just seem to be super complicated. So only one monopoly can stay in the industry and this just creates barriers to entries and stops other firms joining to make them as much money as... If US standards are anything like their lockdown response, then they're probably going to be more like economic economics-based rather than maybe health and safety first. I mean, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, in terms of health standards, we know here certain stuff has certain amounts of sugar in, and you're not allowed to have this much sugar in this this drink. Yeah. In America, it's just all guns blazing. Have how many sugar? Except for Kinder, the Kinder surprises. <laughs> they're not allowed to have those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinder eggs are not because they got a toy <laughs> inside. You're not allowed them. Apparently, kids were swallowing the eggs, <laughs> so they were swallowing the toy. I find the understandable given the suing culture in America. So you hear stories about people suing McDonald's and making them fat, where it turns out they've been eating their three meals <laughs> a day for the past decade or whatever. But I suppose the US angle is interesting given that this is the only level four lab in China in this Wuhan one. And it was helped to be set up by the US and French. The French. Yeah, they were also played a role. So it's just a bit interesting okay. given that Luke's revelations about the France potential bit outbreak or first case occurring so much earlier than God, that French American Chinese New World is a worrying sight for us all. <laughs> but yeah, just carrying on, I, I think it's a good conspiracy and I like the scientific evidence backing it up, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 as a conspiracy. In terms of believability, I'm going to score it a little bit lower than John. I'm not totally swayed by the idea, even if Donald Trump himself has seen something clearly (laughs) true. Uh, So I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10. I'm still leaning to the side of, you know, let's carry coronaviruses. Mm -hmm. People eat bats. That's kind of what's gone on. So, yeah. (laughs) You just say people eat bats like it's really cool. On his wet markets, it turns out... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so for me, I mean, having done all this research, maybe slightly biased towards my own theory, just because what I was finding did seem quite compelling. But it still could just be a case of correlation, not causation. 
with the fact that this could be just normal research that all sorts of laboratories carry out and able to contain and there's in fact no safety breaches going on but there's something in the niggling me in the back of my mind is raising concerns like the severity of some of these viruses that claims to create and they're infecting human cells with them and they do have the potential not saying that it was a bioweapon but there is definitely the potential there despite experts have you say that bioweapon research is not actually practical you definitely know that most countries will be carrying out research just in case but I think I'm going to edge more to the fact it was accidentally released through poor safety management. So if my believability, I'm going to go slightly higher than I'm going to give it a 5.5, just because of the, because, yeah, the scientific evidence is there. And it's in journals, which you think they're doing this sort of potentially dangerous research. It would be um, heat secret viruses from under complete lockdown. Hard to find. <laughs> but yeah, as, as a conspiracy theory as well, I think it's pretty solid, even if it has been thrust into the mainstream, thanks to Trump's and others' comments. We think uh, the UK government, um, said they wouldn't rule out the fact it may have been biologically engineered but that's probably quite standard press release if you don't want to close off any options because yeah. if it does turn out that was the case it's very silly but i will give it a nice solid eight out of ten so yeah i think that one just about wraps my theory up i think we'll pass it back over to our host luke to introduce conspiracy three very interesting conspiracies today and I've got three more for you in our game, Conspiracy. <laughs> so for any of you that are new to the podcast, Conspiracy is a game where I am going to give my co-hosts three conspiracies. Two are conspiracies that exist on the internet. And one is a totally made up conspiracy that I've made up myself. And these guys have to figure out which is which. Okay, so let's jump in. So my first conspiracy for you two is that coronavirus was started by Catalonia to try and expose flaws in the Spanish government and increase worldwide support for their independence. Number two, coronavirus arrived on Earth via a meteorite from space that burnt up in China last October. <laughs> Number three, your laugh is throwing me off. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Number three, coronavirus was started by university students fed up that there was never any hand soap in toilets to ensure a steady stream of toilet hand soap into the future. So we've done well there to make one up and to find two that are equally yeah. ridiculous. So you, it's quite throwing me off quite a bit. That's why I went. I went for two that could easily be made up by me. I'm looking at it. Is if you'd made up the meteor one, it would. It's so obviously an outlier, even for those ridiculous ones. That I don't think you would have put it in. I think it's too obvious. So I think someone must. Have I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that as well. So I'm ruling out that one as a lie. So I'm going to say that's true. Um, oh, it's Catalonia independence. The Catalans. God, again, how badly out of hand has that got? I mean, would they have the means, a small little independent nation under uh, the vice-like grip of the Spanish government? Yeah, you'd I think, think not. But again, it's just yeah. just one person has to have said and it. They're not too busy rioting to be creating virus. Yeah. And then what was the third one, sorry? Uh, the third one was that it was started by university students fed up that there was no hand soap in toilets oh, to ensure a steady yeah. stream of future toilet oh, hand soap. Could this have come from Luke's mind? He's, I mean, he's got a history of being a, uni- a student activist. Right, I'm just going to put my neck out and make a guess. I think you made up the uh, hand sanitizer one with the students. Just because who's thinking that a few students capable of creating this? I mean, you say that, but there's a lot of student laboratories. I know. Don't, don't make me change my mind. Yes, <laughs> um, junior doctors also coming into the force, so 
to add to this potential conspiracy, yeah. they're really desperate to be getting on the front lines. They ended in the virus to give them some employment early. I mean, it's literally the opposite is true. They moan about how <laughs> overworked they are. So they just make their jobs 100 times harder by making this virus. You, are they, though? Because all the things I'm seeing of um, nurses and doctors doing TikTok videos, they overworked. <laughs> but Dave, John's going for the a student one. I'm going to, I'm erring slightly towards the Catalonian independence one is the false one. Just because, I mean, who is making the link between Catalonian independence and destabilise the entire world just to re- raise awareness for their cause? I can confirm that one of you is correct. There was actually a meteorite that burnt up over China in October last year, and that obviously led to conspiracies that... Oh. The virus started from space. I can confirm that it is Callum yes. that is correct. I have made up the theory about Catalonia starting the right. virus to uh, increase support for their independence. In terms of the uh, university student conspiracy, um, I'm not going to say it was a major conspiracy. <laughs> it is one that I found. I believe it was more of a. I believe it was more of a joking one, but I'm not going to lie. If I was asked if I if someone came up to me in the toilet in university and asked if I support this, I'd, I'd go for it. I'm fed up of never having any hands open the toilet. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations, Luke. Just because you didn't fool us both, I think that goes down. Yeah, for yeah, I'm two for two now on ones that have actually fooled someone. Oh, nice one. And that nicely rounds up the episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed our part two and coronavirus conspiracies and we had a lot of fun recording it and we hope you had a lot of fun watching it too. For now, it's goodbye from us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye and keep challenging the status quo.